Welcome back to the Cyclone Scoop podcast. This week, I'm happy to be joined by my friend, colleague, and predecessor here at Cyclone Alert, Michael Swain, who is now covering his alma mater, the Kansas Jayhawks. Michael, thank you so much for, you know, kind of joining this week and and previewing the game with me today. Yeah, definitely. Of course, Nick, happy to do it. So I like to start off a little general. Um, you know, Iowa State's coming off a loss, granted to a quality team, but a very winnable game. And Kansas is one of the talks of college football right now. Could you just give us a little bit of a general overview of the season thus far? And I know that you were a little higher on Kansas than most, but how have they kind of performed relative to expectations? Have they already kind of blown those out the door? Oh, yeah. I mean, any expectation I think you had going into this season is already out the window. You know, the the Vegas win total was two and a half, and they obviously accomplished that three games into this season. You know, going into the year, I, I thought this would be a, a transition year for Kansas where they obviously showed last year that, hey, you know, they can compete in games late in the season and with the full off season to implement their full schemes. I thought, OK, you know, competitive football, that should be the goal, playing a lot of one score games. Maybe you win three, four of them, but to start the season 4-0, and I think win the way that they have has really changed, I think, the outlook for the entire season. It's obviously changed the mood around the program in Lawrence. I mean, you go back to the start of the season, right? You know, you have a a huge win over Tennessee Tech, your biggest win at home um, in, in several years, the most points you scored at home since 2007 when they scored 76 against Nebraska. So, you know, you're talking about a really good start of the season. Then you go on the road and you beat West Virginia in overtime, um, a game that I think Kansas controlled during the, the middle portion, but, you know, kind of bookend wasn't really in control. And then Houston, outside of the first five, six minutes, they really controlled that game as well. And then against Duke, you take away, a, you know, a goal line stand from Duke and a turnover on downs. And all of a sudden you're looking at that being more of a, a blowout than a one score game than it was at the end. So this is a Kansas team that, has impressed a lot of people, including myself. I did not expect this. I'm sure we'll talk about Jalen Daniels, but his level of play has been incredible. So overall, it's just, it's been a great start to the season. One that, you know, covering a basketball school, right? You look at, all right, when is kind of late night in the fog? When's basketball season starts? I don't care. I've not looked at that once. And I think that that probably is similar for a lot of Kansas fans. And that's a lot different than years past when, about this time of year is when Kansas fans start to look towards basketball season. Cause usually right now the team is what one and three, two and two. So different vibes in Lawrence for sure. Yeah. And that's, I think, especially kind of meaningful with you because I know how much you love college basketball. Obviously the Jayhawks are generally one of the best programs in the country in that sense, obviously national champions there. And you led pretty naturally into kind of the next thing I wanted to ask about. You know, I've liked Daniels for a while, never knew that he could do this so early, so completely. What is making Jalen Daniels' season quite this special? And how would you say he's improved the most as I guess he's played a little bit more the first couple of years than I had expected? Mm, Yeah, so I think you have to go back to 2020. He was a 17-year-old playing after he'd just been on campus for six weeks max and playing in front of one of the worst offensive lines in recent Kansas memory. And so you start there with your frame of reference, right? Just totally out of his depth as a freshman. Then last year was on track to win the starting job and then got banged up in camp and 
all of a sudden Jason Bean starts the season and Iowa State fans remember Bean from kind of his weird fumble in Ames last year. Um, but then all of a sudden later in the season, Daniels comes in and really brings a, a spark to the offense. And what you saw from him then was a lot of the arm talent and, and the ability throwing the ball that I think everyone kind of knew that he had. But now this year, it's been a transition into him being a dual threat quarterback. And I think people knew that, hey, you know, Daniels can extend plays with his legs. He's athletic, kind of like Brock Purdy in a sense, where you thought, okay, he's someone that can run the ball a little bit, but not really a dual threat guy. All of a sudden this year, he's turned into, like, for lack of a better term, you know, I'll go back to this. How about this? Les Miles, when Jalen was a freshman, compared him to Cam Newton. And it's kind of funny because Les Miles was wrong on a lot of stuff, but he was pretty spot on there with that. And Daniels has been incredible. He's KU's leading rusher this season. He's averaging eight yards a carry. I mean, he's just been incredible. And if you want to look at some of like the advanced stats, like you go to ESPN's total QBR again, you know, we're picking at stats here, but he's one of the best quarterbacks since they started the metric in the early two thousands. You look at, you know, EPA, estimated points added he leads the country in that right 49.5 and he's well ahead of some of the other high level quarterbacks like cj stroud or caleb williams so i mean you're looking at jalen each week it has been something different you know you look early in the season the first two games i thought he showed a lot of his his throwing ability but also really good decision making then against houston he leads the team in rushing and was really dominant on the ground and then on saturday against duke you saw kind of it all put together where in the first half he ran a lot and made some really good plays and then kind of as the game progressed was kind of more just in the pocket making really really good throws and i think there are probably five or six throws in that game that you could say are NFL level throws. And I think that's something that Kansas fans and Kansas program has just not had since probably Todd Reesing. And Todd Reesing didn't even go on to play in the NFL. I remember those days. Was that with uh, Mangino as the head coach? <clears throat> yep, that was a prime Kansas year's Mangino in the, you know, 2007 is kind of the, the peak Kansas year. So I didn't necessarily plan on asking this, but just because you dug into the numbers a little bit, and kind of from what the subscribers over here have said and a little bit of what I've seen this year, not a ton against mobile quarterbacks, but they say that, you know, Iowa State's defense has kind of struggled against quarterbacks like that in the last couple of years. Do you feel that Daniels can keep this up within the Big 12, not only against the Cyclones, but as the season kind of progresses and I'd say that competition level maybe increases mm -hmm. a little bit? Yeah, I you know, I think so, because if you want to look at the teams KU's played so far, West Virginia's strength is their front seven. They probably have one of the top four front sevens in the in the conference, and Jalen Daniels did a really good job against them. You look at Houston, one of the better defensive lines um, in the country probably. You know, when KU played them, they led the country in total pressures, um, according to pro football focus. So you're looking at the teams KU's played so far, and they've been pretty good in the front seven. And so – it leads me to believe that, hey, yeah, he can. You know, will he be able to do it against a Baylor or an Oklahoma? I, I'm not sure. We'll, that we'll, that we'll see with that. But I think for you look at the remaining games on the schedule, I think most weeks he will be able to do it. And I think it's a fascinating matchup with the Iowa State because you look at the linebackers, right? And they're they're pretty they're bigger guys, right? Colby Reader's kind of a bigger guy. Ryan Vance too, and and, and Jerry Vaughn. You know, so. You're looking at these linebackers being bigger and do they have kind of the, the speed to work the option? And so fascinated to see what 
Haycock does to try and stop that because you look at the option stuff KU's done and it's been a lot of the triple option, which is kind of funny because you go back and KU is between Jeff Munkin, who's at Army, runs triple option there, and Lance Leipold. They went with Leipold, and here we are in year two, and they're running the option. So, you know, it's it's more complex than that, but I think it is a fascinating matchup, and I think it's one of these things where it will get challenging, but I think KU's offensive coordinator, Andy Kolderneki, is smart enough to have the tweaks ready for whatever different defenses may come with. I mean, because I obviously, you know, like your stuff and, and I just find that the Jayhawks are very intriguing. I've watched a little bit and, and I think that OC has been a top three or four guy in the entire country so far this year. I think that he's kind of been able to come up with really anything, no matter the opponent, which I feel mm-hmm. has been impressive. And I'm interested to see that linebacking, you know, kind of core as well, because they've been pretty good throughout the year and they've got plenty of experience including Reader, who's been in college for a long time. But the speed, that's a good point. And I'll be interested to see if, you know, we see a little more of a, maybe Miles Mendezun or somebody like that kind of getting into the depth chart this week who's got a little more speed and athleticism at the position. So we obviously talked about Daniels. Who else would you say are a couple players, maybe another guy on offense and, and one or two key guys on defense that Cyclones fans should know about and kind of look out for going into Saturday in Lawrence? Yeah, I think offensively, you know, KU goes into the season with three former four-star recruits in the running back room. And it's Devin Neal, a Lawrence kid who had a really good freshman season, Sevion Morrison, a transfer from Nebraska, and Kai Thomas, a transfer from Minnesota. But the guy that has been the most impressive so far is Daniel Hyshaw who was on the team in 2020, got injured last year, missed all of last season, and has come in and been incredible. He leads KU in all-purpose yards after he had a 73-yard catch and run on Saturday. He's a bowling ball, and he's one of these guys that has really good vision and it's hard to tackle because of how, how strong he is. He reminds me a little bit in terms of his balance of what Brees Hall used to show. I don't think Daniel Hyshaw is Brees Hall, but I think that in terms of the balance, how hard he is to bring down and tackle, I think those are some of the things that you'll see. And so KU is going to rotate a lot of the running backs room. You know, we'll talk to Lance Leipold and see what the injury updates look like, but, you know, Devin Neal got banged up against Duke. Kai Thomas really didn't play that much. So there's a good chance that you'll see a lot of, you know, Daniel Hyshaw and we'll see about kind of Neal and Sevion Morrison. But I think that Daniel Hyshaw for sure is someone to know on the offensive side on defense. Um, there are a lot of different ways I can go with this. I think Lonnie Phelps is one of them. You look at the defensive end. He's a, a transfer from Miami, Ohio. He leads KU in sacks this season. He's a guy that has a really high motor and is going to have a lot of effort plays and KU rotates a lot along the defensive line. So what you're going to see is these guys come in and, and go balls to the wall for, you know, three plays and then come out. And so someone like Lonnie Phillips, who has that high motor, high energy guy, you know, you're going to see him making a lot of plays out there. And I think he's someone that, you know, I'm not sure if Jake Remsburg is going to start, but, you know, I, I think that he could give the tackles some issues um, just because of how fast he is. He's got a good blend of speed and power. Um, he's definitely someone to know. And I think Craig Young, too. This is more of just me being a fanboy um, because he's someone that Cabe just doesn't get. He was at Ohio State. Ryan Day wanted him to stay. 
because he was going to be a part of the defense this season. But, you know, Craig wanted to change the scenery, something different. And he's a supreme athlete. He's 6'4, 225, can run a 4440. So you're going to see him go against slot receivers. KU takes him and puts him out in space against slot receivers. But you also see him against the run um, fitting. And he's not the most physical guy out there, but you'll see him in the mix with plays. And he's a guy that I think in years past at KU had to go against a Charlie Kolar or, you know, a Chase Allen. I think he had been the perfect matchup for that. And so I think Craig Young's kind of this versatile piece for KU and they play him a lot. They ask him to do a lot, but I think he's the type of player that Kansas doesn't get a lot of times. And if he's having a really good game, he can impact it in so many different ways that he can really shift the tide almost. And I think you've seen it at times. He's not really done it for a full game yet, but there are flashes where you see that ability. And if he's able to start putting it together, I think he's a really high impact player. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, of Phelps. I did not know some of those numbers from young. That's pretty impressive. Has, has Kai Thomas, I, I remember, you know, you did some good work with that mm -hmm. and you were excited about kind of that addition. Has he not necessarily played as much just because Daniel's been so good at the running back position? Um, not necessarily. I think it's one of these things where, you know, he kind of got a slow start in camp, missed a couple of days because he got sick um, and then had some good practices late in camp, but it just hasn't happened for him so far this year. I mean, you look at the numbers, right? Um, bad radio. I'm going to pull him up real quick. Uh, yeah, it's only he's had 11 carries for 25 yards this season. And so didn't didn't play against Duke at all um, and really just hasn't played much since the season opener. And so I think it's an issue of the guys ahead of him are just playing better. And KU's not going to screw up a rhythm of someone like Hyshaw or Devin Neal or even Sevion Morrison to some degree. If those guys are rolling, they're not going to say, OK, OK, let's get Kai some touches now. You know, it's all right. We got the got the thing rolling. Kai's going to have to show us it in practice and find ways to to force the issue other ways. So it's too early to make any conclusions, right? You know, he's a, he's a redshirt sophomore who has the extra COVID year two. So it's just not been a, maybe a smooth start so far to the season, but it's one of those where I think just the guys ahead of him have been playing so much better. For sure. Yeah. I just wanted to ask, cause I hadn't seen his name pop up as much in mm -hmm. season. So, you know, Michael, obviously in addition to just kind of enjoying speaking with and learning some aspects from you, you've got kind of this added layer of familiarity, both with a lot of what Iowa State does and of course the Jayhawks now. So here's kind of the favorite question I like to ask, where do you feel Kansas will cause a couple problems for Iowa State? And where do you maybe see that the Cyclones will come in with an advantage or two schematically on Saturday? Yeah, I think KU be able to give Iowa State fits with the option stuff, just because it's so hard to prepare for. And I have a lot of belief that John Haycock, I'll tweet this out at some point. I've got a funny meme in my head where like, it's going to be like two old wizards going at it, you know, like Gandalf and, and Sauron or something like that from Lord of the Rings, right? With Haycock and then Andy Kodernicki, two guys who I, I think are just incredibly smart football minds. I think that Kodernicki will probably have the edge to start the game because I think you've seen that with Haycock defenses before where maybe the first quarter you know first quarter and a half goes to the offense but then he kind of adjusts as the game goes along so I think that chess match would be fascinating I do think KU probably has the edge just in terms of the option the quarterback runs just years past has been something that really has given Iowa State fits in that 3-3-5 defense I think on the other side Iowa State's going to have an advantage in the secondary because you look at 
you look at who Kay's played. West Virginia's secondary is atrocious, and so is Houston's. And Duke has Datron Young starting at corner. And Iowa State fans will know what that means. So you're looking at this being the best group of corners that KU has played so far, right? Obviously, Miles Purchase, you know, God, yeah, he's cool and he's good. Um, And I think that with Anthony Johnson now playing more safety, you've got guys that can cover. And so what's going to happen if all of a sudden Haycock can stop the run game well, Jalen Daniels is going to have to throw and his receivers might be the most covered that they've been this season. So I think it's going to force him to be really good. And I think this is a big litmus test, I think, for for Jalen Daniels. Obviously, there's the Heisman stuff, right? He's got the sixth shortest odds of any Heisman contender right now. Um, And it's well warranted, right? He's had probably the biggest impact on winning of, of anyone in college football. But this will be a big test. And I think that's why I'm most excited for this game is just you don't, you don't know how it's going to play out. And I think this is one of those kind of, I've said it before, but coin flip games where it's going to come down to two or three moments. And it's a team that can kind of not have the mistake in the moment. That's going to win. Yeah. I'll definitely look forward to that tweet and and I'll show it. (laughs) As I tend to do with most of your work, my friend, Um, as we kind of wrap up here, two-parter, very important as I know that you've spent a lot of time in Lawrence now. So Mm -hmm. I'm blessed to be making the trip. I've got kind of a tradition when I cover these games. Where's the spot I should get some pizza in Lawrence? And what is the final score and why coming out of Saturday afternoon? Yeah, Papa Kino's in Lawrence is really good. You can get that. Let's see, it's a 2.30 kick. You can probably get that on your way out. It'll still be open. They're open late night. Um, it's on Massachusetts Street. Really, really good. Back when I used to live there, I'd go get it all the time and have it be like a little treat. So Papa Kino's is good. You know, I, I I don't envision KU not scoring 30 points. And I think that's a starting point for me where you look at KU's offense and they basically scored 30 and had the opportunity to score probably 40 in every game so far this season. I think for me, I, I think this is probably a game that Iowa State wins. I don't have Matt Campbell's record after a loss in front of me. I know he's really good against the spread after a loss, but, you know, they're favored. Um, so you'd, you'd assume that covering would be – good for them in a win. I think that to me, I look at this being like a 38, 31 type of game, 38, 34. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with KU's defense. Iowa State's offense, I don't know what to make of it. I, I just don't. I think Hunter Deckers has talent. Can he not have those mistakes like he had against Baylor? Some of the interceptions, right? Can he, can he avoid turnovers? That's going to be a big key for me, I think. So I think if Hunter Eckers plays well, I think it's a game Iowa State will win. But this is definitely a game that Kansas can win. And if you said, hey, on, on Sunday, I'll be right about a Kansas win, I would not be shocked. I probably won't expect it. But we're at the point now with what Kansas has shown where I'm not going to be shocked if they beat anybody at this point. That's really good to know, Michael, on both accounts. I feel that I certainly wouldn't be shocked either way. Again, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very high on Kansas. I actually thought the spread would have been a little closer to a pick to be quite honest, oh. uh, especially with the couple points that is tended to kind of favor the home team. Mm-hmm. I'm higher on Iowa State as well. I, I picked them to start the season 4-0. and So obviously, you know, Saturday was their first loss. Now, I love what you said about the secondary for for the Cyclones a few minutes ago. 
I also think that Iowa State, and granted, I have not watched a ton of Kansas in the trenches, but I like what the Cyclones had shown in the run game with the offensive line really before Baylor. Mm -hmm. I think that that will be something that can help keep Kansas's impressive, electrifying offense off the field. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned Deckers. He's got nearly all the talent in the world, it would seem, but can't seem to stop the turnover bug. So I'm kind of interested as we wrap up to hear what, what you kind of think about that run game comment. Yeah. So I think you look at what KU's done so far this season. They've lost the time of possession battle three times. They're three and zero in those games. I think a part of that is because this offense has been so explosive that it scores quick. And what you're seeing on the defensive side of the ball is they're really trying to force teams to take the long way. They're not going to. They're trying not to allow big plays. And you saw on one of Duke's touchdowns on Saturday, they got a 59 yard catch through the air. Outside of that, their drives, they really struggled to score touchdowns on those drives. And so I think you look at the run game for Iowa State, KU's not going to get a bunch of tackles for loss. That's not what they try to do on defense. They really try and say, okay, you can get three yards, but you're not going to get 10. And so like against Duke, Duke had a, had a pretty good run game, and they only had one carry of 10 or more yards, and it came on a quarterback scramble. So KU's defense is really trying to mitigate any sort of big play. And so it wouldn't surprise me if Iowa State goes in there and averages four, four and a half yards a carry. It's just going to come down to, from Kansas's perspective, can you not allow the big play? Because I think they've shown that they're going to try and force these teams to, to execute on seven, eight, nine, ten play drives. And with a young Iowa State offense, right, with Deckers outside of X, right? You've got a lot more young receivers. You know, Jalen is you're older, but still young in the grand scheme of things. So I, I'm interested to see what happens in the trenches. I think this is probably one of the better tests for KU's defensive line because of how, how good, you know, the interior of that line is when you think of Hufford and uh, Downing and things like that. So I, I do agree. Um, I think it'll be a fascinating matchup. I think on all fronts, really, but I, I do agree that, hey, you know, the run game will be pretty interesting to watch because if they, if KU does end up stuffing the run, you force Deckers to pass a lot. I think that's a recipe for success for Kansas. Yeah. If, if Iowa State has to be one dimensional, I completely agree. I think that this actually, you mentioned Jalen Noel. I think he's going to kind of get a lot of opportunities this weekend. I think he showed out well in uh, Saturday's game against Baylor. And yeah, I get a little nervous about my pick when you're saying 30, 31 is the baseline for Kansas. But I do expect a lot out of Paycock. Um, I put on the board, you know, recently, I do expect to see more Remsburg this week with a lot mm. uh, more practice under his belt, ideally, w without any setbacks. He was dressed and ready Saturday. I will say 34 to 28 Cyclones. I like Kansas to get off to a fast start, defense adjusts at halftime, and you get a big game from Jalen Noll and, and Jirel Brock in the fourth quarter. Mm. How many times have you seen that, you know, where Iowa State goes in the end of the half and you're thinking, oh, crap, here we go again. And all of a sudden, the second half, defense turns it on. I think I wrote about that maybe in 2020, how good they were, the second half adjustments. Yeah. I think that'll yeah. be fascinating. I think just football-wise, like, It'll be a fun game just because I don't think you know how each team's going to pivot and how each team's going to respond to the pivots. So should be a fun one.
Totally agree, my friend. I know that we've both got to get to some other things today as well. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, we will be doing a show with you and potentially a written preview later in the week. So thank you, Michael. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next time on the Cyclone Scoop podcast.